Right, I think I'm ready. Are you guys ready? Cool. Let's rock and roll. Hey, 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 look at that. It's another week under the belt. Another week closer to the end of the year or Christmas or end of lockdown, whichever way you want to look at it. Uh, this is episode number 56 of the BFN podcast, and it is part two of my conversation with Hink Kutsia. If you didn't catch the first part, episode 55, do yourself a favor and go and listen to that one first before sliding into this one. If you did catch last week's episode, here's part two of Hink Kutsia. And then, I mean, you were talking about you were, you were involved in the tire business and then you had your own business. Um, Am I correct to saying that you were working out of uh, Woodstock, out of the Woodstock mm-hmm. Motor Company yeah. area? Correct, yeah. Yeah. So, so Devin and I, um, the owner of Woodstock Motorco, we were, you know, met each other every now and then for a coffee when I popped in there the first time. We did a social ride thing with them a weekend after I met him. So we, I would keep in touch and, and pop in for a coffee every now and then. Um, and those were sort of look what you're missing and, and continental days. If I, that was sort of towards the end of look what you're missing, I got the opportunity with Conti um, and I was working for, for a company uh, distributing their, their products. So, yeah, I would just, I was not really actively part in, in all the Woodstock Motor Coe type of stuff, the busy Saturdays and things, but I would pop in every now and then for a coffee and have a chat with the guys. Um, and obviously, you, you'd know Kyle from uh, um, Wolf Motor. Uh, yeah, I know the name. I've never actually, I don't think I've met him, man. So he also moved from KZN down to Cape Town, started in Motoko or, you know, carried on in Motoko at the time. So, yeah, game mates with the guys and, and mm. would go there every now and then. Um, and then the Continental thing sort of changed. Uh, they gave up the distributorship um, and I was deciding, do I join the 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 near no guys that's doing it now do i sort of join them on a freelance basis or do i you know what's next um mm. and um, um it was right after numpu that year that big old show in um in the free state yeah. um and off a spin off off numpu and a couple of other things i um basically decided to at the time it was just trading sort of trading tires not doing fitment and all of that so mm. just buy and sell uh, um, to whoever, some of the old uh, shops and, and bike shops that was buying from me and then obviously direct to the public. And there's, uh, with that industry, you face quite a steep uphill battle if you if you do that sort of thing. If you do online sales only or you do trading in such a way and you don't do fitment, um, there's a lot of sort of strong arming in the industry where the guys keep products from you or trying to keep products from you and they just make your life a nightmare. It becomes cutthroat. Yeah, it's it's very aggressive for a mm. for a you know passion driven hobby industry. Strangely, mm. um, anyway. So one day I was sitting having this conversation with Dev, and I said to him, "Geez, I need to seriously consider um, putting up a proper fitment center." Um, I think the the industry is driving me in that direction. Um, and uh, yeah, we had a conversation. Carl, uh, at that point, he was out of there for I think six or seven months at the time, and given had some had some space available. And I was looking for a bit of a destination in a sense. I was looking for a nice place where you, the guy can sit and drink a coffee and have a good conversation with like-minded people while mm. I'm tinkering on his bike in the background. So um, not really thinking about Motoko. My mind was more northern suburbs related because obviously just commuting and stuff would have been a, a easier decision to do it around here. 
but anyway, we were sitting there having a coffee, and I was telling him about this, and I said, well, gosh, why don't you why don't you pull in here? Um, the space available, you know, the community is 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 there, um, and and he felt that it would just add to Monaco. For me, it was a brilliant solution. Um, it was great for me as well. He had a whole in a community that he brought with the with the premises. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, and then K Bike Tire happened. So um, or K Bike Tire became the um, you know that was our house now where we where we settled. Um, yeah. So I opened um, like full on fitment, and we started doing a little bit more than that, like you know chain sprockets and fixing wheels and spokes and all these sort of things, and a little bit of uh, retail like Albert's uh, go gravel stuff. So mm-hmm. lots of like a mini version of. Um, G- um, Flying Brick or, or, or Paulie's G, G, GPS Africa, mm. um, but more focused on the tire sales and the fitment. Um, so yeah, that's how I ended up in Motorco. Um, and it, it, it's, it's so sad that it's closed down. I obviously understand why. It's just a, it's a, it's like raising a child. It's such mm. a intense thing. And uh, I think Devon's um, photography and other stuff has always been. Uh, just a battle to pick which one gets the most attention. Sure. Um, yeah. And Motoko was just sort of um, another another thing on this plate that he just didn't have the time for. Um, okay. I understand that you just get like tied up with with everything else. You don't, you can't get to the, you know, you can't just can't get to everything. Yeah. But it just a it was a great thing. It's a nice other segment of the of the industry that I was never really part of, or I think in the beginning days didn't even know existed. If I'm honest like the custom guys and all that sort of stuff. I was never part of that. For me, it's always been adventure riding. It's always been about, uh, you know, this thing happened to be called adventure riding. For me, it was always taking your bike and buggering off somewhere into the Hramadulos where nobody knows where you are. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was part of the industry and the whole thing, the whole lifestyle, rather than just having this, you know, sole um, off-road riding goal. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was a, it was a good thing. Mm. I uh, I enjoyed most of it. It was really time well spent and some good mates made um, in that in that place. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, when I came down to Cape Town a, a little while ago, um, a mate a, a mate of mine lives in Fishwick. He's got two Harleys. We do a bike trip around there. We'd stop there at uh, okay. Motorco, grab a you know, grab something to drink, buy a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> we happen oh, to go to. One or two of the motor socials as well there in, in, oh, in, cool. in Cape Town, which okay. is pretty cool. Um, yeah, that's a nice concept as well. I think the whole Motorco thing is, um, Motorco thing, the whole um, motor, social. The motor social thing. Yeah. Just a, to me, it's, I think there's a lot of, um, uh, there's a lot of sort of lost opportunity in a sense from, from the guys who's been in the industry for so long. They don't see the young guys and the eager guys. You know, if you rock up with a little bent and broken in half little XT something or the other, you know, 175 or something like that. The guy's like, whatever, here's a bottle of two-stroke bugger off. That's <laughs> yeah. sort of the treatment you get in a sense from yeah. from the guys that's been in the industry for that long. But they don't realize, you know, that, that chap is just one or two paychecks away from from buying a Ducati or a GS or a, you know, a flipping 20,000 uh, yeah. rand suit, whatever it is. You know, it's just a matter of time. He's a youngster, he's keen. Um, and, and if you can make him part of the family now, then you've got him. Absolutely. Um, but I think that's that's the nice thing. The motor social and even the motorco concept in general was that that's Devon's passion in a sense. Uh, for me, it was an immediate fit. Yeah. Getting getting people onto bikes is his thing, and getting people once they're on bikes to get them sort of you know 
take the bike and do something it's always been my thing it's take you've got the bike you've spent the money you've gone through all the effort now go and ride the damn thing yeah there's so much out here it's crazy the amount of roads and crazy stuff that we have uh, around every city in this in this country never mind Cape Town. it's just spectacular but you've gone through all these motions you've had all these dreams um and it it's there's so many there's so much of this that i see in every age group um the age group I'm now sort of floating into this, you know, heading towards the mid forties and that sort of thing is those guys, there's so many of them that end up buying the bike. And it's those are the bikes that we love buying secondhand because they've been standing polished in a garage somewhere, never ridden. Yes. Um, so that it's really good for the secondhand market and for us to afford bikes. But those guys, uh, I love, you know, interacting with someone like that because they, they're so damn keen. They just sometimes just too scared or they don't have that environment where they can just try and actually try the bike out to go and ride or Absolutely. go on a short little, you know, weekend ride with someone. And, and that's, you know, Devin's getting them into the thing has always been his beginning on the, onto the bikes and to try it out. It's been his passion. And for me, it was just riding into the second se- sector where you actually then go and do it. Yeah. Um, so it's a good relationship. Um, we, we still obviously still chat every now and then. Um, he's helping me from time to time to promote uh, our training events. So, it's a nice, it's a nice environment. It's just a nice bunch of people. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I think I think that is the thing with, you know, once you've, uh, it's almost like the camaraderie with the, you know, the bikers. Yeah. And we were talking about the other night when we were, we were chatting to uh, Albert with, uh, from yeah. Go Gravel. Is that, like, once you find yourself a good bunch of people, I mean, it's 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 really. It's amazing, um, yeah. Yeah, it is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the kind of thing that I live for. I mean, I, like now under yeah. lockdown, I'm, geez, I'm missing hanging with, you know, going for breakfast <laughs> and going for a ride and, you know, whatever, going for trips and, uh, you know, whatever. It's a little frustrating. It's really? it's like it's 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 been uh, it's been a weird one for me. Um, I've kind of surprised myself in a sense because I also got into the whole you know sourdough. I've got two. Bread's that's just been baked tonight, so I've gotten into <laughs> okay. all Facebook sourdough gardening, redoing the house. I, Making we, beer? I've gone through all of those. Making beer? Um, lots of kombucha and, and ginger beer. Okay. Um, I my father-in-law. There's a whole pile of beer lab stuff. I'll actually show you this just for effect. This is yes. the you know heading oh, right. off to the Northern Transvaal for Squinpaws beer. <laughs> my father-in-law is a beer brewer, so we literally picked it up today. Okay. But cool. I, I, you know, I'm a I'm a bad drinker at the moment. I go through these drinking phases, so I'm on kombuchas and and, uh, and ginger beers at the moment. But I've done that whole, you know, the whole sort of social media, Facebook <laughs> stereotype. That's me. Yeah. Um, so much so that I, I literally didn't ride the bikes. I pushed them in and out the yard once or twice while mm. I was busy painting and what have you. Yeah. Um, and uh, and it's it's I'm, I'm my wife gets irritated with me because I'm I get. I get literally annoyed if I have to go on a breakfast ride, like an organized breakfast run or something. I'm ticked off the day before the time already. Mm. That whole thing of leaving here, putting the suit on, putting the helmet on, and then going, you know, I, I, I drove the bucky there yesterday. I know where it is. I don't want to go there. I want to go somewhere I haven't been before. Exactly. You know, put yeah. me on my bike and then not see me for three weeks. Yeah, hell yes. <laughs> but this whole, <laughs> you know, go there and come back in the same day thing, I struggle with it. Yeah. Um, and uh, my my brother-in-law, um, they also live um, here in Cape Town now, and uh, he started this stupid WhatsApp group with a small bunch of friends of ours uh, saying, Henk will need bike rainy, um, <laughs> to, <laughs> to try and get me, he started this like a couple of weeks ago, to, to try and get some pressure 
uh, to get the guys to, uh, you know, to give me shit so we can actually get on the bikes and go and ride. Yeah, um, Which we then did. Like two weekends ago, we went on a quick little, you know, darling around mm-hmm. gravel, some gravel roads and back. And it was really nice. It was nice to do, you know, out on the same day, back on the same day, but I survived. Yeah. So <laughs> it's so weird that you, yeah, I, you know, all the people you speak to, such different sort of levels of, of what's next and frustration and yeah. um, want to go and ride and also don't really know, should you, can you? It's just been this whole ongoing thing, you know? Mm. Yeah, it is, but it is sad. Yeah, yeah. Twenty twenty one. Please come quickly. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Yeah, twenty twenty. That was crazy. Twenty twenty behind yeah. us quickly. Yeah. So yeah, it's let's just, talk uh, about your 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 training and your tours. I mean, so your training. Uh, where 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 are you running your training out of? You know. So so yeah, like I said, there's a lot of stuff that's happened and it's changed quite a bit. Uh, quite a bit. So. Um, I got involved with a company called Ride Expeditions. Okay. Um, and they do they do South African tours, but they do international tours. They were sort of uh, Cambodia, India, Mongolia, uh, Vietnam, uh, all over the show. Uh, South Africa, Namibia as well. And uh, it's also just the chap that came on a ride with me. Um, I didn't know at the time the bugger. He was basically doing research for his South African tour. But he right. came on not just one of my organized weekend rides. Um, but uh, meeting there a couple of months later, a good couple of months later, sold him a tire, and then when he came in to fit the tire, we just got talking. And uh, at the time, I was, I, I'm still, uh, I'm doing it for for a couple of guys, but I'm still trying to sort of sell the concept. Um, especially in Cape Town, there's so many rental, rental, uh, you know, adventure bike rental guys, um, and I've been speaking to him about the same conversation, or the conversation started the same way, that you've got all these foreigners that really know. I mean, you know, a couple of them maybe are proper riders, but most of the guys are sort of pavement punches. You know, they they do pavement roads or hard pack gravel roads every now and then. They don't understand and don't really know what they're letting themselves in for to go through Bobby Arms and places like that. Sure. So I said, bring your bring your tour group to me with their rental bikes. We prep the bikes, we set up the bikes with them, handlebars, mirrors, all that sort of stuff. Get them nice and comfortable on the bikes. Spend. Uh, you know, sort of a, a, a good half a day with them, just getting them nice and comfortable on those bikes, on the type of terrain they experience, and then you go off the next morning on your tour. Yeah. And they said, yeah, great idea. I'd love to talk about it more. We're actually selling the South African tours like that. Um, the one specific South African tours actually starts like that now mm. uh, with the right expeditions. But um, that's how the conversation started. And he said to me, but, you know, won't you be interested in doing freelance guiding for us um, on some of our other tours? And I obviously fell off my chair and, and mm-hmm. you know, ran up with hands in the air saying yes, yes, yes. So, um, and then long story short, I, I ended up spending um, like half of the India season uh, in India for them last year. Oh, wow. So it's all, it's all really sort of fresh and new. Um, was amazing. I absolutely loved it. A lot of time away from home, which is, which is kind of rough. Yeah, but uh, it's a it's a it's a dream thing to be able to do, and then you know do it for a day job makes it even better. Yes. So um, so then I got into um, again a long conversation, but I uh, <laughs> ended up selling the tire fitment center, yes. um, and uh, and and committed to doing the tours uh, and the training basically permanently uh, or full time. So yeah. like I said to you earlier, the concept is. The beginning of the year, January, February, March-ish, we don't really have any tours on the go. Um, the season really only starts uh, around sort of 
end of um, end of sort of summer, rolling into into start of winter, and then through through South African winter at least, and into no, into November, we you know as ride expeditions is really quite busy. Mm. So this year would have been just a, a dreamy year biking wise for me. Um, yeah. I would have been June, July, like this month, next month, I would have been in Mongolia for two months um, mm-hmm. and then India for the rest of the year uh, doing the Himalayan tours. Um, oh, wow. And then what and sort then, of bikes uh, are you doing it there? Are you doing it in infields or what bikes are you in doing? In India, yes. So in, in uh, Mongolia, we actually, so the concept is basically you know ride expeditions partners with a local a local organization that ideally owns bikes okay maybe they do their own tours or their bike rental company or something like that but they they're locals that live in the area and they have bikes mm. and the guys we partnered with in in mongolia um through that partnership we basically decided to buy brand new 450 ktms okay um in, because you, you you don't spend time on tarmac there there's no tarmac you just yeah. basically pick direction in your ride um, and it's like single track animal trails and things uh, for for a large percentage of the of the of the tour um, so yeah it's the 450 KTMs in Mongolia um, and then the the Indian thing has always been ride your Royal Enfield in the Himalayas mm. so we've got the the bullets the classics we still offer those um, but we sort of slowly pushing the guys towards the Himalaya yes um, it's just that little bike is, you know, it's got the name. It's purpose built for that terrain. It is the better bike to ride up there. It's a hell of a lot more comfortable than the classics, mm. um, and uh, and they just don't give us any issues. They just they just work. You know, they're brilliant, brilliant, brilliant little bikes. Like, mm. It's just phenomenal how good they are. I'm surprised how good they are actually. <laughs> um, so so the the India thing, that's that. Uh, like Cambodia, it's also off road bikes. It's a mixture between KTM's and Hondas. Um, and each country's got its different things. You know, the South African Namibian stuff is obviously the big GSs um, and big adventure bikes. Yeah. So it's you can go through the tour package and they sort of, you know, find the crazy enduro thing where you're flying, you know, through mud all day or, you know, you, you're riding a couple of tar roads and a couple of easy off-road roads on a big GS. Um, so anyway, that was, the, that was the concept, is doing the training. Um, and doing some training on tours, and then obviously uh, the tours uh, when when that's in season. Um, yeah. Next year again looks looks really promising. We've got um, a lot of extended dates, also purely because of a lot of bookings, but also a lot of the guys from this year just saying, okay, we'll just move, roll it into next year. Yeah, sure. Um, so it's just a hurry up and wait situation mm. for now. Yeah, but and that sounds I exciting do, though. It's amazing. I mean, this year, I, we, we, my wife was going to come with me to India because we wouldn't have seen each other basically from the start of June or uh, sort of end of April, uh, sort of end of May. Um, I would have been gone till midway through November. So we decided she's going to come to India with me um, for like a two-week holiday, but then do one of the tours with me. But um, earlier in the year, uh, in February, we I had group of clients that wanted to do a Lesotho trip um, and it's also something that's been going for a couple of months and we eventually got everybody to buy into dates in, in February and then we'd like do you know do, does she come with me to Lesotho and, and waste that leave or does she stay home and then obviously come to India and eventually we decided oh, bugger it we'll you know back a vehicle and, and make it a proper organized tour for for the clients 
Um, and she'll bring the backup, you'll drive the backup vehicle and come with us to Lesotho. Thank goodness nobody at that stage knew <laughs> that COVID's going to happen. Yes. So we did a, a, a nice group, an awesome bunch of guys, and we did a really cool ride through um, all the crazy stuff in Lesotho in February. Um, and uh, and that was <laughs> that was sort of the you know the, the note of the time, but that was the highlight of 2020 right there. <laughs> so <laughs> so far, uh, um, but yeah. So I do I do when I'm again with the training and when I'm in South Africa, I try and do weekend rides, um, like commercial uh, paid customer yeah. rides, a couple of weekends, uh, you know, one or two day weekend rides, and I mm. I try. Um, I'd like to do one or two bigger trips, like a Lesotho one or a Swaziland one or something like that. Yeah. Um, I've got a group of guys that's now nagging to do um, uh, Namibia uh, beginning of next year. Mm. So I'll always do little bits of that sort of stuff when I'm when I'm spending time in South Africa. But I suppose the main focus is is the the actual training training events, and then obviously get to tour season um, yeah. uh, uh, later in the year. Yeah. So, I mean, you've done a lot of touring around South Africa over the last couple of years, over the last 10 years? Yeah, a, a decent amount. Um, I've done uh, quite a lot of Lesotho, strangely. Um, 2013, with that, when the whole Look What You're Missing sort of filming thing started, I did a, uh, just joined a local guy that does uh, like big trips like this as well locally. Um, just basically one of the BMW club guys that always does some tours. Um, and we did 12 days um, around Lesotho. So we went in and out of Lesotho nine times through different stupid mountain passes, the Ongeluk's necks and those sort of things. Yeah. Um, and besides the stuff that, that was the, I think that's the only, you know, that's the only trip I've done with like an organized thing with someone else. Uh, okay. All the other stuff I've done is either more recent the stuff that I've done myself uh, organized and, and planned myself and then most of the bigger trips um, away from the Western Cape and the Northern Cape and a little bit of Eastern Cape has all been uh, my wife and I just going on a on a ride, the two of us. Um, so we've done a couple of those sort of through the Lofeld, Sazi, um, um, Sabi, Nelspreth up there. I had some family up there. Mm. Um, and obviously Lustrichard all the way up there where, where both our folks live. Um, and yeah, pretty much everywhere. Um, I you know, I've, done, I've got a good couple of mates in the Free Strait, some of the blacks, um, Stefan Bosov and those guys, and yeah. Nielis from Safari 4x4. So they've directed me through some of the really nice spots around their area. So it's always nice to to know, you know, people all over the show. Yeah. Um, always get these sneaky little roads that you don't necessarily ever come across. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the Western Cape has just been crazy. Um, the so much riding weekend, to do there, man. And everything that's within reach in a weekend or a long weekend. Um, okay, I, I, the weirdest thing is, man, I, I can't explain. In, with Look What You're Missing, you can imagine the amount of time we spend riding is just crazy. Mm. And, and Warren's thing has always been to try and do a, a different road to the same place that we haven't done before. So I was, until really just before Lesotho, no, right right around New Year's, or right around the end of the year, actually. Um, I think it was December and January. Um, I was convinced the tank, uh, I can just about draw a map for you, and, and I know all the roads. I've been on all of them. Um, and I had a random conversation with a chap between, I do this crazy thing to um, to between, uh, between Christmas and New Year's, those couple of days between uh, New Year's. 
Yeah. Uh, just after Christmas Day, we go for New Pun and then we basically come back for New Year's. And uh, and one of the guys that joined me on that trip, we were just chatting, and he's saying, "Oh no, you know what? When you at the um, Tankwa Patstall, that random, you know, you've been there, the mm. roadside stop." So. When you, you know the road that's right next to it, and he's explaining, I say, yes, yes, I know the humps, the gates, I know exactly what road. No, no, not that one. There's two gates. There's another one gate. There's no gate there. There's farm roads. You, you, somebody's going to shoot at you. <laughs> True as nuts. It's a road I've never ridden. <laughs> no clue that it's, that it's a public road, road signs, the whole thing. No no farmers with, you know, yeah, with you know shopping guns. And guns. <laughs> None of that. It's a it's an open road. Yeah. So <laughs> that's the crazy thing is there's still places – and still, little roads that you that you discover mm. um, that that I had no clue existed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, even with the amount of riding and all the people that you in the community that you talk to that do all these rides and whatever you, and you think you know all the roads or you've at least been on it once before, but um, yeah, there's always something else. Yeah. So. Um, still always So when I when I f- first bought my my bike, do you know this book? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So this was my introduction to adventure riding, without without <laughs> going for training, right? And I mean, it's got some really really nice tr- routes in here. Which I, I, at yes. the time that I bought the book, I said, okay, I'm going to go through these and I'm going to tick them off one by one. <laughs> okay, I, I haven't really done that, but uh, that's that's where I got the idea to do the Royberg pass. Oh, was right. To do this, oh, yeah. well done. And it was a it was an awesome ride, yeah. Uh, but I must yeah, tell you, you know talking about farm roads and that kind of stuff i'm gonna tell you what i would do is i would go into google earth right and i would like now i'm looking in johannesburg and i would go okay let me find a dirt road i find a dirt road and i see oh and then i would i I made this mistake once well actually i made it (laughs) twice i like i would say okay there's a road there and i would like map out a whole route and i'd put it on my gps and off i'd go i'd go out to parais Freda Ford Dome area. Yeah. Dude, and I would ride down this road, fucking gate. Turn around, <laughs> governor. Those oaks will Fucking gate. <laughs> but I mean, like, you've got all these beautiful roads that you can see on Google Earth, so, and you say, oh man, I want to go ride that dirt road. Meanwhile, yeah. some, some farmers, you know, with these gates, and anyway, yeah. So I was really disappointed. It's- you know, growing up in in uh, in well, that sort of what used to be the Northern Transvaal, um, you don't go down a gravel road if there's a gate. You don't open it if there's a mm. lock or something on it or not. You don't open a gate and then ride through it. Yes. And by no means do you drive through Oaks. Basically, feels sometimes like his living room. You don't drive between <laughs> his shed and his house and just bugger <laughs> off down his farm. Um, that's that's where I grew up. You know, yes. that's like. A shepherd donut, yeah, exactly. um, and <laughs> and that was one of the weirdest things when when we really got stuck in and started properly riding around the area. Mm. There's so many of these little roads. They just they just you know uh, um, give way or uh, what do they call them uh, in English? Like the fire. It's basically just you know it's just access to three or four farms down the road, and yeah. and you can just ride through the Oaks living room. I mean, yeah. you, you literally ride drive around the shed, um, yeah. back Over you know, the behind the backyard. Lawn. <laughs> it's just mental. It's just the craziest yeah. thing to me. Even now, still, I, I'm the I'm the guy that goes, you know, moron all the way there, two k's an hour through the yard, and then flying past when you're on the other side. I don't dare drive through fast through these oaks farmyards. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. It's just you know you you're in in East space, you just don't do it. Yeah. But um, it was a it was a weird concept 
uh, to get used to that um, it's accepted. You can, you know, those are open public roads. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's, there's a crazy one. I don't know if you've, you, you know, Ronnie's sex shop, obviously. Yeah. So off the oh, 62, 62, right right past Ronnie's sex shop, there's that spot called Varmwaterberg, that okay. sort of hot spring thing. So if you're driving past Ronnie's sex shop on the opposite side of the road, there's a road that turns off to this hot spring, just a privately owned hot spring. Mm. Um, but that road, if you follow that road further on, there's a place called Samborna. Um, it's a it's a private reserve, uh, but the road is it's a public road. But you can imagine they've got they've got the big five just about in there. I think elephants are the only things they don't have. So they've got rhino and, and and giraffe and all these sort of crazy animals in this park. So you drive up, you get this big massive uh, security booth thingy with um, electric fencing and a big old game game gate and and fence, um, and they can't refuse you. They they guide you through, so okay. but they they're obliged to to um, to well they they have to open the gate and let you through, but if you're on a motorcycle, they obviously for lion's sake they and and rhino and thing they guide you through the park. So you might sit there for forty five minutes or an hour if you really tick them off, uh, to wait for the chappie to come with a bucky, and uh-huh. uh, then you ride your bike through this reserve with the big <laughs> five just by the big five. You ride through this reserve on your bike. And we've seen rhino like that. We've ridden oh, wow. past rhino on the bike. Um, and the guy just he drives in front or, you know, he lets you drive in front depending on the chap and you have to stick to the speed limit, but they take you all the way through to whatever exit you're using and off you go again into into the, you know, the oh, rest wow. of, of your, your ride. So it's, you know, it's crazy things like that. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, it doesn't happen everywhere, you know. It's not yeah. the sort of thing you can experience everywhere in the, everywhere in the world. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> there's some special ones. Yeah. So am I right in saying that you were involved with the GS Trophy a couple of years ago? Yeah. So um, we were uh, – my, my dates and stuff is terrible. I can't remember the dates. Um, was this the one that was held in Montague? So it's a it's a longer story. I've, I've done a couple of like the qualifiers and, and that okay. sort of stuff, the actual challenge part of it. Yeah. Um, and the very first one I did, um, it was great. I I did the qualifier in Cape Town, came first in the qualifier, part of the Western Cape team. I went up to Budplas was the one I think. Okay. Uh, anyway, Thomas did the the, the routes, um, so it was up there uh, in his valley, and then I destroyed a maid's bike. I I rode a bike off. I broke a twelve hundred just about in half. Ooh. Um, on the Friday, so I then ended up in hospital instead of doing the actual challenge. Okay. So, and, and then I got out of the, the taking part thing. I, you can imagine with a flipping big old concussion and, and that sort of, mm. you know, accident, you, you just don't, you're not operating on the same level for, for a couple of months. Yeah. So I've taken part in all but last year's qualifiers since then. Um, but it's like a bring all your mates and have a good afternoon riding some bikes and do some silly stuff. Mm. Um, you know, it's really just been a for the fun thing for me um, in the local qualifiers. But um, because of look at you missing and and um, uh, and some of the opportunities we've had to to meet the guys from Motorrad South Africa and you know good made some good friends there. Edgar and the, the guys that's running the show there now, I'm actually good friends with. They really got a cool team. Um, and, uh, it's sort of through those channels, I got nagging and I've had a couple of conversations with guys like Jan and, and Stefan and, um, and Edgar, the, uh, Alex at the time that was uh, Alex Baraka. 
um, and a whole bunch of the dealers. And anyway, so I sort of got my finger into a, into a pie where I didn't really knew I wanted it at the time, um, nagging to try and get the GS Trophy moved to the Western Cape for a year. Okay. Um, and then it triggered a whole lot of things down the line, which we eventually um, got uh, the powers that be, the marketing team, um, Sky, and, and, and the team that was running it at the time. We got them convinced to, to look at this. Um, and then it was a case of picking towns. Uh, there's a couple of towns on the table. I personally believe Montague was, was it. I think Montague mm. from the start was, was the, the best option. There's lots of good arguments for other places, but I think Montague has got so much to offer from a riding perspective and a town perspective. So yeah. a lot of nagging and a lot of pitching all kinds of clever ideas. Um, we got it We got it sort of as okayed, um, and the clubs, um, BMW clubs and, uh, and Motorrad bought in to, to bring it to the Western Cape. Um, and I naturally then got uh, sort of pointed in a meeting to do the routes, uh, which I was keen to do, and I think I, I kind of wanted it anyway. Um, and then did all the, the routes for, for that event that was not last year's one before that. Yeah. Um, the Montague one. So yeah, I, I got a little bit involved with a sort of event organizing and, uh, but more eventually I, once it was decided on venue and town and everything, um, I just, I did the routes eventually. Um, I, I tried to stay out of the rest of the politics cause it's quite a, <laughs> quite a lot of organizing and quite a lot of, uh, happening behind the scenes stuff um sure, yeah. i think it's, the gs community don't really know how lucky they are um to have that event uh, i know it's a it's a it's a you know in a lot of guys opinion a big spend for a weekend on a bike but um there's a lot of organizing and a lot of effort that goes into it yeah absolutely uh, yeah i think that the attendance numbers wasn't that great especially the Joburg boys there wasn't that many that came down yeah um but from an event point of view it was it was amazing it was such a cool thing to to you know have done and been a part of oh that's great man. all the all the routes and the riding around that area i mean yeah. you, you i'm sure you've done some of it um it's just spectacular yeah, so, yeah. i'm sorry i missed that one i wanted to come down but uh you know yeah, life, you know, life always gets in the way yeah i, th I think we, we ended up i can't remember the figure i think it was 500 rand more on the yeah. entry ticket than yeah. the black class the previous year so already there was lots of opinions uh, about the price. Um, I think the the quality of the like the food and the the entertainment. I mean, it was just it was a different level. It really yeah. was amazing. Um, but the ticket price and and then on top of the ticket price, you had to drive all the way to the other side of the country. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we'll be able to. I don't. I don't think we'll ever convince them to do it again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It definitely was, uh, from an event point of view, amazing, but the attendance didn't... Uh, it yeah. was only like, I think, 150 or 200 people less than in the previous year. Uh, but the sad part, and this is what broke the back of it, um, we had less than 100 people from the Western Cape attending, oh, wow. which is insulting to me, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's one of my little soapboxes. <laughs> I get quite annoyed when I talk about it because it's just the amount of effort... To, to make it happen and then not me just everybody the, yeah, the motorhead yeah. team you know the local the Donfords uh, yeah. the club everybody bought into this thing and then these chaps don't uh, bother to go it's like oh it's Montague I've been there before it's like, but it's 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 it's, a, it's yeah. the event it's not the town you know it's, yeah. it's just so much more than that well now they're um, not allowed to complain yeah. ever again that the GS <laughs> event is yeah. not in their backyard no. 
Hundred percent. Yeah, you have to just shut up and drive all the way <laughs> exactly. to fourteen. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Only two choices. And pr- and preferably, if you're going to whinge and moan, stay at home. You know. Yeah, yeah, hundred kind of percent. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll take the Donald Trump line <laughs> if you don't like it. Leave. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, gosh. Anyway, listen, dude, we've been talking for two hours, almost two hours, eh? I should. Yeah. Oh, no, gosh. but that's cool. Yeah. There's no, no complaint. <laughs> I think I think I think I can even make two episodes out of this, which is pretty cool. Uh, I like that. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, listen. I think I think let's wrap it up there. But before we go, sure. um, I was you know I was going to ask you some little rapid questions, like what would your next bike be? But I think you've answered that already. Well, yeah. not really. Yo, who knows what the answer? Would who be? knows you what the answer is? But <laughs> I'm sure if you could get if you could get a twelve fifty for a reasonable yeah. price, uh, the That'd at least the 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 um, HP version. I'm sure you're going to be going for that. Yeah, 100%. I think, honestly, financially, um, and just something that realistically would stand most of the year, like probably five to six months out of the year, it'll, my wife might ride it every now and then, but it'll stand yeah. in the garage. I, I probably think, um, you know, it's not set in stone realistically, but I think the bike would probably be a trophy, to be honest. Mm. Um you know, a, a trophy with a bit of uh, suspension tweaking would be, you know, I think the price range still makes sense to me to go and tuck it around in the sand. Yeah. Um, and uh, and you're not talking about, you know, 280K for the thing I wanted. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just silly. So anyway, yeah. Absolutely. And then um, best advice for new riders? Um, go get some training? Um. Yeah, uh, obviously training, I think. And, and you know what? Training is one of those things. Actually, um, with the risk of starting the third hours with a conversation, um, the, my opinion about training is is once you're on the bike, the bike is less important. Um, yes, if you're a lady that's just starting, there's better things to start on than, than others. You know, 1290 for argument's sake, it's just why? It's just stupid. Don't yeah. do it. It's not... You shouldn't be there. You're putting yourself back so many steps just because of the bike, mm. um, just because it just doesn't fit to what you wanted to do in the first place. So, yeah, they're silly decisions, but I think if you have the bike and you're starting, that's more important. Um, and then, yes, for sure, um, when you know where the clutch is and you're happy to use the clutch and the throttle and get it into third or second gear comfortably, then at that point, you're really going to do the training. Because yeah. the sooner you do the training, the sooner you don't learn those horrible habits and you don't have you don't have a, a mountain to climb just to get over your habits. You just start off rock bottom with with zero. Yeah. I love training women. I absolutely love training the girls because they they listen to what you say. They don't come with you know the chips. There's yes. no chips on their shoulders. Yeah. Um. And they they're open to it, so it's easier to to teach them. Mm. Um. But uh, anyone, I mean, it doesn't really matter. But I think the sooner you start the training, the better off you'd be. Um. Regardless, again, like I said, with bike, but also. What I actually want to say with with training is there's, you know, there's the guys from uh, Hein and the guys from ADA, obviously Thomas, um, um, and country tracks, kind of countrywide. Um, in Cape Town, we've got um, Ronnie still does training from time to time. We've obviously got uh, um, my one of my best mates is is one of the instructors of country tracks. Mm. Um, so and and obviously I do training, and there's a couple of other guys that do sort of uh, training event here and there. Uh, the Bonafide guys uh, with the Triumph uh, scenario, they come down to Anura. Yeah. The BMW Club locally do training. And honestly, I would say, business-wise, is a stupid thing to say, but this is what I believe. I think if you come to me, do training with me, do the beginner yeah. course with me, 
rise for two or three months, go to country tracks, do this, rise for two or three months, go to the BMW club, yeah. do at least two or three of the same level trainings before you move up. Yeah. Um, I, I offer um, an intermediate day course. We call it the bar raiser. Um, I think Hein and them do different recipes altogether, but they do also day courses, which is slightly more advanced. But everyone else offers only like a intermediate or advanced weekend course. I think the day course is a nice step. You know, it's a nice little easy step before you get into a whole weekend um, event, purely just because of price. But, uh, you know, if you do one training course and you don't ride, then you've wasted your money, regardless yeah. of where it's been. Yeah. Um, if you only do the beginner, but you're actively riding, you're more than likely a lot more capable and safer on the road than 90% of the other chaps that's done all the courses but never rides. Yes. It's so vital to do a course, do some riding. Mm. That's one of the things that time-wise and, and, and organization, organizing time and all the sort of dramas in between has been difficult to, to do it uh, perfectly. But I think one of the concepts that I try at least to do is we do a beginner course, Two or three weeks later, you can book a beginner, roughly beginner-orientated ride with us. You do a weekend ride, but it's roughly at the same level. And and where it's a little bit tough, we're around to help. Yeah. Um, and I think those types of things are, are vital. Whoever you ride with and whoever your bunch of mates is or however you get into it, just go and bloody ride the thing. You have mm. to, you have to, you have to ride. Um, but for sure, start with the training. Um, uh, I can't I can't preach it enough. It's, yeah. And it's also not a... It's not a case of, you know, riding around cones 20 times to know where you put your weight and all these sort of things. It's, it really is just a case of, <clears throat> it's like muscle memory. Yes. And if you do emergency stop enough and you play, I, I say to people on the beginner course, you, you know, you've done the, like, that's our last exercise that we do in a day is an emergency stop. Mm. You've done this now in a, in a safe training environment. At least once or twice a day on a weekend ride, do your emergency stop and you come to a, to a nice sort of open gravel stretch the road, you know, drag yeah. the rear wheel a little bit, grab the front brake and, and sort of just push your limits a little bit, two mm. or three times in every ride, uh, where you feel like okay, there's no one around me, it's nice and safe, safe I'm out here in the tank, and, and you just show, it just becomes muscle memory, so when Fricky drives in front of you the bloody tractor in the middle of a road, you didn't expect it, it's the first thing that happens, you're not like, okay, what was it, weight back, mm. um, head up, front brake, clutch, you don't, it's not like that, it's the first thing you do. Yeah. Uh, and that only happens when you do it over and over. Absolutely. Um, so I, I absolutely preach it. I think it's, um, it's, it's in your interest to do it for mm. sure. And also, like for me, I, I, I always say it's about the confidence. It's about, especially when yeah, you're doing absolutely. it in a, in a um, controlled environment, you have the ability to practice these things, build your confidence. And once you're confident, that's when you actually enjoy it. I mean, if you're sure. not, if you don't have that confidence and you go, but you want to do dirt, Every time you get out on dirt, you're going to be, feel apprehensive. Your body's going to be stiff. And that's like the worst thing that you should be doing. You should be nice 100%. and relaxed. You should let the bike do its thing. You know, the whole... And also, I mean, like for me, I mean, like reading this book. I mean, I, 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 read, I read all this stuff before I went. Okay, I'd never done it. But, but I mean, the thing is like, you know, just that whole concept of, you know, of steering with your feet and you know, where to put your weight and all that kind of stuff. It makes yeah. such a difference. Um, just those small little things help you enjoy yeah. enjoy the experience. Absolutely. I, I think it's interesting if you do like training events, if you just attend them or you actually do them yourself. Um, it's interesting to see guys that's literally been like, you know, 50, 60-year-old people 
uh, guys that's been riding literally their whole lives, but they're on their first, you know, 1200 GS or their first sort of adventure style bike. Mm. Um, and when that little switch goes on, where they realize like, this is not, it's not the thing I've been yarking around with my patches and leathers for the last 40 years. It's something different. It's a slightly different riding style. Um, and, and suddenly it's a bike that's been standing, being polished every other weekend. That's now out there riding. Um, and, and to me, ultimately that's, you know, that's what drives me. It's the thing that makes it exciting to me is to see the guys that's done training, posting stuff on Facebook or sending me WhatsApps and say, check the stupid road I've just been on with my mates or, um, or just being out there riding. And, and, and it's more than that. It's, it's now there's tires being used. So the tire guy gets the tire fitment, there's services that's being used. There's new bikes being bought. You know what I mean? Drive the whole thing. It makes it ultimately more accessible and more affordable for the rest of us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and hopefully I don't have the kids, but hopefully my lighty then one day also gets into the riding and gets in, into that industry because it's strong and alive. Um, it's not, you know, been raped at 60% in the back corner, you know, because yeah. everybody needs to make a buck. It's open and accessible. It's more important than to make big profits or to, you know, keep it to yourself or any of that silly stuff. I don't think it's should it should never be that. It should always be a open and uh, and for everyone yeah. uh, thing. It's a passion industry. Yeah, it absolutely. Stay that way. It's a lifestyle industry. That's what. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's I think what that's why I'm 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 sad that um, like uh, your 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 show. You know, look what you're missing. I mean, I love the name, by the way. Uh, because I mean, it already <laughs> tells you, okay, shit, am I missing something? Uh-huh. You know, yeah, I can yeah. tell you all the jokes as well. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the thing is, is that is that um, when you're watching those kind of shows, that's what draws people into this kind of thing. Yeah. They might they might be on the on the tipping point of wanting to get into that kind of thing, and then they actually see what the the roads that you're riding the fun that you're having. I also want to go there. I also want to see it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, no, I'll, sure. I'll, I'll draw a parallel to, uh, I watched this four by four show in Australia called four, four wheel drive action. Okay. I don't know if you've, I don't, I don't know if you've watched it before. Mm-hmm. I'll go check it out on YouTube. Yeah. It's two Australian guys. They work for some four by four magazine and obviously they, and then they've got all the yeah, sponsors cool. and, all that kind yeah. of stuff. So I'm, I'm sure that that's, you know, that's how they cover their costs and everything. But they go and they take their four by fours. They got like a Land Cruiser and a, and a, and a Isuzu D-Max. And they, um, you know, they put them through their paces and then they camp. So, you know, they talk about their para, uh, you know, the about the swag that they've got and the tent and the whatever. And then the one guy does like a cooking, like a cooking show. Like he'll say, okay, it's oh, not cool. making this. And <laughs> he does the whole recipe <laughs> thing. Oh. And, you know, so it's, it's, and like it makes you want to go out and buy a four by four and go and do these things, you know? Yeah. Anyway, part of it. Yeah. 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 Part of it. Yeah. Anyway, we could go on for, for a while. We'll, we'll talk about <laughs> yeah. that again. Um, yeah. But uh, you were in the tire game. Um, probably one of the most controversial things that people always talk about is uh, what oh, are the yes. best tires to put on your bike. So let's not start that conversation. Just tell me what tires you like to put on your bike. You don't um, have to explain I, why. You just can just yeah. say which ones. No, I'm very. I, I I never really go there for myself. Um, just because stuff has changed over the years, I yes. it's less important to me. Uh, but I always drag my wife through the mud with this one. Um, and and it it was it was this before before the the exposure I had to the brand, obviously Continental. Mm. Um, and and just to clarify in a short, <laughs> starting to <laughs> watch the time. Um, 
it's 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 the it's the it's always been the tire that gives my wife the confidence. If yes. she she jumps on a bike and uh, she jumps on a bike and she rides the bike, um, regardless of the terrain, um, not overthinking every corner and every little patch of gravel or every patch of sand. She 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 uses the TKC eighties. Yes. Um, she loves having those tires on the bike. We've had other tires on the bike, and um, and there's always like you know attention going to the tire and the what the tire is doing rather than just enjoying the ride and the scenery and the bike. Um, and for her, it's always been the TKC 80s. I personally love them as well. They have their problems. Yes, yes. mileage, blah, 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 all that yeah. sort of, you know, wild dog dramas. It's there. Yes. <laughs> um, but you have to you have to clarify it. For for what she rides um, and what she enjoys riding and for her riding style, it, it gives her the most confidence and makes her happy when she rides the bike. So perfect tire. Yeah, perfect. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of brand loyalty maybe, but I, I do personally love them as well. Um, uh, they are just cool tires to ride with. They just do the trick. Yeah. Um, yeah. You Absolutely. know, budget friendly, mileage friendly, blah, blah. No, not so much, <laughs> but it's a good time. Yeah. No, we're not going to worry about mileage. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, mileage also really depends on how, how, how you ride with them on dirt and on the tar. And yeah. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll, uh, I got over 10,000 kilometers on the back wheel tire, on my back wheel tire. Karoo threes. Yeah. Over 10,000 kilometers. Yeah. Yeah. Easy. Doable. Yeah. And how do, how do I do what? that? I just don't burn it on the tar. Yeah. Don't, don't write like an idiot. It's yeah, very exactly. simple. Exactly. You know what? The, the one thing I, I've said being in the industry and doing this sort of stuff and, and, and now I preach it as well is what you, you must realize with tires is they're purpose built. Yeah. Um, the all-rounder thing doesn't exist. I don't care what the EO7 speech is and the Moto's GPS speech and all that sort of stuff. I've heard them all. Ultimately, um, they're purpose-built. They're going to be really good at one thing, not so great at others, or they're yeah. going to be not so great at a lot of things. Mm. Um, so you need to just pick. If you're happy with something that just works well and gives you good mileage, then it works for you. So yeah. great, go with it. Yeah. Um, if you want everything, you want all the grip, you want all the confidence, then you buy something appropriate, you know? Yeah. Um, this one, one, one shoe fits it all thing, I think is, is probably the biggest problem with, with tire decisions or yeah, tire conversations. No, you, you can't, because I mean, I think, I think when you choose a tire, it's always about compromise. You have to compromise something. Amen. So like uh, with, with the Kuru threes, I, I like the Kuru threes. I, uh, I put them on my bike. I rode with them for a while. I really like them. Um, I, you know, I feel confident with them on the dirt. Um, yeah, they find on the on the on the tar. The only thing I need to be very very careful of is wet tar. That's it. Yeah, sure. And but you know it, and you're riding it. Yeah, exactly. And I just ride accordingly. Yep. So you know what I've said to to a bunch of people. I've shut a people a couple of people up in my shop like that uh, in the fitness center because as soon as this conversation starts, you know, it's all the opinions and stuff rolls. And, yes. and I always go back. Maybe you know, doing training it makes it easier to say this. But I, I always say to the guys, it's very simple. If, if you've got issues with the tires, work on your skills. It's the mm. simplest way to fix a tire problem. Yeah. You've got issues with the mileage in your tire, fix your skills. Yeah. <laughs> it's very simple. Exactly. That's the only thing you have to do. Yeah. If you, if you, you, you know, like Byron Kutsia and, and, and these sort of mates, they, they do stupid stuff on used road tires, full-on oh. road slicks, as the guys like to call them, a, a completely worn, destroyed version of that. Byron still kick your ass. Yeah. Um, going up a rough rocky ridge or something and you've got a brand new bike with brand new tires. 
So fix your skills. You know, it's mm. it's just. <laughs> It's yeah. not a nice thing to say. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there's one way to keep them quiet. Eh? One way to keep yeah, them quiet. Yeah, it normally yeah. just diverts the conversation into something else. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then the last cool. question, I mean, yeah. you know, what's on your bucket list in terms of places to go on your bike? Um, I, I, there's a million things, and, and like the Mongolia one was, was huge for me. Um, mm. The fact that it's now but only happening next year is, is just a little irritating, but that, that was a, like a big one. I think, um, I've been wanting to go there for, I don't even know how long. It's just one of those weird countries where it just seems like you out there properly out there. Yeah. Um, but, a, a, a closer to home one strangely is Namibia. Um, okay. I've, I've planned, uh, from four by four, trips with friends in vans and things like that and bike trips. And, and one of those things, it's just, it's just somehow never worked out. It's always oh, been shit. get you know business don't have time or you know don't have money now. We'll do it later. And it's just always been something that's sort of fallen, um, you know, in front of that. So Namibia has been avoiding me for a long time. Botswana, I've ridden, uh, you know, uh, I've been sort of into Zimbabwe a little bit, Swazi, Lesotho, all these sort of places, which has all been amazing. But Namibia is, is just a bucket list, I think, for any local sort of bike rider. Um, so yeah, if I have to pick a sort of local, sensible, small one, reachable one, that would be it. Um, cool. uh, the, everything else would be eventually on the list as well. Um, I think everybody that knows me longer than a week would say that it's very simple. If I, you know, get paid out for my, you know, Facebook program, I just created or the <laughs> win the lotto or one of those stupid things. Yes. It's, you, you know, just say goodbye when you see me because you probably won't see me again for a very long time. It'll just be bike and, and off into Africa and then see what's next. Yeah. Um, so that's always been, it's always been there. So, yeah, there's nothing, I think Namibia would be the, the quickest one on the, the list. The quickest one, yeah. The, the yeah. one that's really realistically in reach right now, you know? Yeah. When lockdown's over, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Hank, it was great chatting. Thanks so much. Awesome, Andrew. Yeah, cool, cool man. It was like Well, there you have it. That's the end of part two of my conversation with Hank Couture. If you're interested in uh, adventure motorcycling, if you've never been for training and you're living in the Cape, I recommend you look Hank up. All the contact details are in the show notes. If you want to do some tours, either in this country or overseas, after lockdown has ended uh, again, the contact details or the links are in the show notes. Anyway, guys, as usual, please don't forget to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Follow on Spotify. Reach out and drop me a DM on Facebook or Instagram. And that, my friends, is the end. I'll catch you next time. <laughs>